it's the life force feeling. That's the only way I can describe it. It's, 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 it's not a happy feeling. It's not a sad feeling. It's, it's completely overwhelming, yet it's completely life-affirming, but it seems to even go beyond life into some other dimension. And you can get it from different areas in life, but music seems specifically capable of generating it on command. Hello and welcome back to the Ear Fuel Podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at the Daily Guru and at Get Ear Fuel. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under Ear Fuel and at GetEarFuel.com. No album review today, as I want to get right to my interview with Andrew WK. It was by far one of the most fascinating conversations I've had in a very, very long time, and I know you're all going to dig it. Andrew's new record is called You're Not Alone, and it is his first new album of rock songs in more than a decade. The album drops on March 2nd, and the first single is the wonderfully titled Music Is Worth Living For, and that is a feeling we can all relate to. Throughout the conversation, we discussed everything from giving in completely to his creative muse, to the multiple meanings within his lyrics, to his life philosophy, facing his inner demons, and so much more. So sit back as I dig deep into the mind of the one and only Andrew W.K. So the new record is You're Not Alone. It's coming out March 2nd. Listening to it, it's such a empowering record. From beginning to end, there's just so much empowerment there. Were these songs kind of written together as a group? You know, Did you see it as a concept album when you started? Not at all. Much to my own surprise, the album was much more coherent than I had ever planned or anticipated. Uh, I've never worked with that, I guess, um, story premise as a starting point, or uh, never really worked well, at least, with that. And, and and also just based on the recording process and the circumstances surrounding the making of the album, the songs were, some of these songs are written or the starting point of the song was uh, back in as early as 2005, wow. 2006. So some, of course, were written very recently, just in the last two years, mm-hmm. or even last year, and then others, yeah, go back to over 10 years. So it, it was never uh, even a hope or an inkling of, of a possibility in my mind that they would have any kind of uh, relationship to each other or tell any kind of story and I don't know that there's necessarily what we might think of as a traditional story Mm -hmm. with characters and uh, an arc or a plot but as you said even to my own um, amazement there was a a, a feeling a consistent feeling that you you came away with and even as far as uh, when we were putting the tracks in order and and seeing it come together it's it's like you were uh, assembling a puzzle and you didn't even realize you were assembling a puzzle but as you fit these pieces together, you think, oh, some of these pieces fit together. But you still don't think there's going to be a picture revealed mm-hmm. as the pieces come together. And then there even was a picture revealed. So that's that's probably as as fun and surprising and exciting uh, of, of a feeling as you can have when you don't set out for that. That's sure. a bonus. So since these songs were written over such a lengthy period of time, when you were writing the new ones, did you kind of feel like, oh, you know, we should go grab that one that we've been playing for years and, you know, flesh that out and see if it works here? Or was it just kind of like, we have these as well? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for me, the process of making this kind of music has been rather blurry, and it's working off a kind of intuition that doesn't seem to involve the rational mind that much, for better or worse. At times, for worse, at least, in in terms of it feels disorganized. It feels like I don't know what I'm doing. It feels like I'm making bad decisions because there doesn't seem to be a coherent decision-making process. You're hoping to follow this very deep instinct that is quite persistent and quite clear, but also quite confusing and confounding. And it doesn't match up to what you think maybe you should do or you're supposed to do, or maybe even how you've done things before. But it's so strong and it's urging telling you to do this, for example, make this song don't work on this song give up on that song do this one instead that only took a few minutes to put together and you just hope even in the midst of all that doubt that something's going to come out of it uh, but it was it's quite maybe I've, I've learned from this to be more uh, trusting I'm always trying to be more trusting of my instincts but it, it's 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 always disconcerting because it's like walking around a blind corner and you don't know what's going to be there. It could be the greatest thing around that corner. Or it could be a, a monster, or maybe the monster is there and it turns out to be a really great monster. But it, it it feels like you're not in control, and that it's very hard for me to ever feel fully comfortable with that that feeling. Yeah, just really giving into the muse and just trusting it's going to do its thing. Yeah, and not even knowing what the muse is, not even not even having it be that clear it's extremely elusive in terms of where it's coming from um and and i think like so many people say if they did understand it more then you could sort of wrangle it and and put it to work the way you want it to work for you and go there when you want to go there and be in charge but you you really don't feel in charge and it's a quite humbling almost humiliating feeling at times because you really feel it has very little to do with 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 your own efforts and how we normally move throughout the day i want to go eat this food i go eat this food now i want to sit now i sit but when you turn yourself over to that uh that voice it, it it can tell you to do things that you think are completely against your best interest maybe even damaging and sometimes they are and that makes it even harder to trust or maybe they pay off in ways that you didn't see i mean i've been trying to take these commands and follow them across the board and beyond creative work across all areas of life. And it's been uh, a lot harder and even painful at times, uh, more, more painful than, than really any other mode of living. But all the best things that have happened to me uh, in life have come from following that, that voice. So when you kind of got to the end and you saw what the picture was, is that when you came up with the album title, was the title something you knew you wanted to do kind of beforehand at the start of the process? No, no. The, the titles have always tended to come, all that stuff comes towards the end. Mm -hmm. Lyrics usually as well. Because uh, the title, the lyrics, the words, in the case of this music, usually are describing in some form the feeling of the music without the lyrics. That's the hope. So the music is not an accompaniment to the lyrics. It's usually the other way around. That's that's how it seems to me. And that's the case with the title, too. The title is, is describing, hopefully, the feeling that eventually uh, presented itself at the end of this album. But a lot, as I've noticed, too, with a lot of the lyrics and the themes that ended up emerging or, 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 or sort of manifesting here, as well as the title, it can be taken a number of ways. And it's not necessarily clear even that something as um, sort of generic or even cliched as you're not alone is even a positive 
message or he's even empowering and i noticed a lot of the the lyrics or the feelings that seemed very clear and 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 cheerful to me as i was putting them into these songs they can also they have a a mirror side that's much darker or more ominous for example if i'm in a hotel at night and i entered the room by myself and no one else has access to that room if someone told me you're not alone i don't know if i'd (laughs) be too comfortable with that Yeah. yeah and maybe someone isn't alone, but they do want to be alone. Or maybe I'm saying you are not alone, but I am alone. Um, so uh, I hope that even as uh, blunt and straightforward or even potentially, uh, I don't know, kind of empty as some of these, these, uh, these, these words can seem, there's a lot of space in that emptiness for exploration, for interpretation, for, you know, that hope that you always have that other people will bring their meaning to it in a way that resonates with their own situations. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I really dug a lot of the lyrics. I want to talk about those in a bit, but with the music, since you say the music always comes first, or in this case it came first, um, like you have on a lot of your previous records, you play all of the instruments on this album, correct? I played all the instruments. And then I had our guitar player, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Pino also add, uh, his guitar. Cause he has a, a tone that I don't have access to. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he, he can, he has different guitars and he has talents that added a certain uh, guitar power that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So when you're sitting down and these songs are kind of flowing through you, at what point do you know this is going to be a solo work? You know, this I'm going to bring a live band in to record. Uh, well, that's made itself apparent since the start. I've always fantasized about working in another way. I guess seeing how other people seem to record. Mm-hmm where they record as a band or they record live takes and everything, all the instruments at once or a lot of instruments at once. And that always appealed to me or, or, or I, th- I guess, again, I thought maybe that's what I should be doing. Sure. Um, and I've tried it many times over the years and it's never, it's never worked. And it's quite frustrating then because I already knew that it wouldn't work on that instinctual level. And I guess I just needed one more time to prove it to myself that I already went through this and it, it's just not how I'm, allowed to do it that's how i sort of feel i have to record it alone one track at a time one instrument at a time one part at a time and it's painstaking Um, i do enjoy it but yeah i don't get to share in that same kind of uh camaraderie and social it's a very solitary experience which again is another contradiction Mm -hmm. there's all another side of this party uh, reaching out towards others um, is a very uh, alone person uh, working alone, but that's just how it, it, it goes for me. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just. I guess that's how I started recording, and and that just is the only way that I'm able to to, to do what I need to do. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And it's. Do you get to a point sometimes where you put down a track and you listen back and you're just like, that absolutely, you know, it's too much. It's in the wrong place. It's the wrong sound. Or does it kind of you know, do you, do you feel the limit, you know, kind of before you hit it? Well, it's so such a slow process that it's hard to ever get to the end of some uh, portion of the work and suddenly realize that it wasn't the right direction. I mean, I'll mm-hmm. see that this song isn't working yeah. or this chord changed. It's not delivering the feeling I'm trying to get that this, but usually then I'll just keep working on it more. Um, and it's, it's rare that uh, I can't get it to where it needs to go. I mean, I wouldn't have started it in the first place if I didn't think it. I could take it, to, that I could get that feeling to come out of it. It's a very specific feeling I'm looking for. It's basically to get these chills, this kind of, 
the culmination of all feelings and all emotions being moved like the part of a movie where you cry but it's not a sad scene you know it's a kind of triumphant it's the life force feeling that's the only way i can describe it it's 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 not a happy feeling it's not a sad feeling it's it's completely overwhelming yet it's completely life affirming but it seems to even go beyond life into some other dimension and you can get it from different areas in life but music seems specifically capable of generating it on command like you just have to sit there and the music will do it to you it will yeah. make you feel that way so if the song is getting that then i just keep working and and i think perhaps one uh, aspect of my process is there's not a lot of uh self-editing mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of doubt and i just do it anyway because i'm trying to follow that instinct so there's all kinds of things throughout all, all the work i've done where I think someone else would not have allowed themselves to do this, perhaps for good reason. Mm -hmm. And that's a, another strange feeling, but that's where I kind of sign off. And I think, well, it's not about me and what I think. It's not about my taste. It's not about my opinion. It's not about what I think is cool or even good. It's about me taking what has been shown to me in my mind or wherever these things come from, your soul, mm -hmm. And making that happen. That's all I have to do. And I don't really get to decide beyond that whether it's good or bad or whether it's even worth me doing it. It's so clear what I'm being told to do, and I just have to do it. Uh, and there is a nice detachment that comes from that that helps to uh, soothe those doubts. Nice. So uh, on this record, you have some spoken interstitials, a handful of them that are, you know, aff affirmations or just, you know, kind of your your thoughts what what brought you to put those in because that's that's a bit of a departure it definitely is and that that's an example of something that uh another version of myself would never have done uh -huh. never have had the the courage or the the foolhardiness to to do if if, if that's the the right way to say it that was uh presented to me by a, a a great woman that i've been fortunate enough to work with for quite some time named karen Glauber, she had that idea, mm -hmm. and it never would have occurred to me at all. I mean, I thought about doing a, a, a recording of lectures, and there's certain moments I've had at songs in the past where there was kind of these sort of statements uh, interwoven into the piece in some way or another, but it just never would have uh, crossed my mind to do that on this album. And, and even when she had suggested that, there was no sense that they would connect or have any relevance to the rest of the songs. That was my main concern, is these are just going to they're not going to make any sense in this album. What are they, it's going to seem to the listener? What are they doing here? But some deeper instinct told me to do it, um, and her suggestion was was part of that instinct. And I guess kind of going against a more shallow instinct that I had that I was afraid to do something like that was exciting because it was so exposed. It was yeah. just completely exposed. And the way we recorded it, we recorded it very late in the process, and I wrote the the words really fast almost just as fast as I could write them, just edited out, you know, typos and made it as, as concise as I could and then just recorded it. I didn't listen back to it and that was done because I couldn't. If I listened back, I would have chickened out sure, sure. and not done it. And uh, the thing that's interesting, those are the things that I'm telling myself all day, every day. Those are me talking to myself, trying to pump myself up, trying to cheer myself on. And I, I never really occurred to me I, I i realized people would think that that this is me talking to them mm -hmm. but the whole album all of it's me come on andrew 
things aren't that bad, you can do it. That's that's sort of going back to the very beginning. That's where this whole effort emerged from was me trying to feel better. Uh, and those are just another form of that same effort. So lyrically, these songs then sound, and from what you're saying now, a bit autobiographical, um, where you're kind of talking about you know, demons, you know, looking back at your past and kind of even looking at the triumphs you made, you know, I, I took a lot of look back at your past, look at what you've managed to survive and, you know, use that as inspiration, as hope, as motivation that whatever you're facing now, you can overcome that as well. So, so are these lyrics more autobiographical than in the past for you? Uh, that's a great question. I hadn't thought of them as that. I think sometimes I was, I was imagining someone else who uh, is close to me mm-hmm. and not in a sense of uh, asking for a friend, yeah. not necessarily like that, but it would really be writing about someone else I cared about and sort of writing for them or to write a song that they could sing and have it uh, connect to them. But looking at it now, uh, I think a lot of the lyrics are kind of fantasizing about a future in which I could say these things and feel that they rang true for me. Because mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've reached that. I think I'm imagining how great it would be to feel like you made it. I think I'm imagining how great it would f- feel to feel empowered and confident and mm-hmm. and to feel good about looking back and seeing how far you've come. So I think there's something aspirational about it. it if there's an autobiographical aspect, that's it's an aspirational one because I haven't made it there yet. To strive for. Yeah. So, you know, through through a lot of these lyrics... It's it makes it clear that your kind of uh, hyper positive outlook on life and attempt to just kind of party in every way possible hasn't always been there for you. Uh, what really led to that kind of shift in the way you approach the world and you approach life? Just necessity from feeling to this very moment uh, inherently negative mm-hmm. or inherently not at ease and trying to find ways to manage that. To um, to deal with how overwhelming just being alive has always felt. To try to use that pressure uh, as something that wouldn't crush me, but as something that could propel me towards some better feeling or towards anything, mm-hmm. towards anything at all, something productive, something worthwhile to have a mission, to have something that made withstanding all the unpleasant inner experiences worthwhile. So I want to make it clear. It's not as though, oh, yeah, I used to be negative and have these problems, and now I'm positive. It's not the case at all. In some ways, unfortunately, I feel like it's gotten even worse in a way, or maybe more extreme, where uh, the inner feelings are, are, are more consistently dark, but the moments of clarity and brightness um, are more pronounced, mm-hmm. if not uh, fewer and far between. Mm-hmm. What inspires you these days? you know, creatively and just, you know, along, along with kind of the self, the self-talk, if you will, the, those reminders, what's real? what have you found inspiring? Well, I guess a, a pretty big shift happened when uh, the idea of one's own worst potential is no longer an idea, mm-hmm. but is a, an experienced reality. When you've always sort of been aware that people can be pretty bad and that you probably could be pretty bad but you just haven't done it mm-hmm. and you 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 go from that into having really fathomed it that was quite uh humbling i guess is the best word i mean it 
And then when you realize that that isn't even the limit, if you feel like you've been torn down, even if it was self-inflicted, that you tore yourself down to this very uh, primal and, and not necessarily appealing level, that there was even further a further tearing away that, that could happen. And to try to look at that experience as, um, as necessary or even as an opportunity uh, or as a test to see uh, that, all, that all the pain can sort of be looked at as a test. They're all ordeals. They're there to be learned from and, and, and to, as, a, as a, a worthy challenge, a challenge that, that we have to prove ourselves to our own life, that we deserve this chance to live. That was sort of a change in, in, in perspective. It's been very gradual, but I've tried to, to really integrate it into the front of my mind as the lens through which I am viewing all these experiences as they happen. Other than that, what inspires me, um, a sense of desperation, a sense of urgency, a sense of impermanence, and a sense of uh, the really undeniable moments of clarity that come from music. Because the longer, I guess, I've gotten to be alive and, uh, and, and to work in this field, the, long, the more I realize how lucky I am to have something that's this consistent, that, that can bring me this type of almost inhuman joy, like an alien kind of joy, uh, a feeling that's so good that it, it, it instantly puts to rest all those doubts about the, the value of life or the purpose of life or the meaning of life. It has to, that there's something in this feeling that music can give me that means something and it's something real. And it might not be the truth with a capital T, but it's certainly connected to whatever that truth is. And that, that's a gift that I've been given the ability just to feel that way. And that's what I'm supposed to do. I have to keep doing that. So yeah, music inspires me. Just that it exists. Music is the best. It, it it saves. I mean, it really, you know, people kind of say it in kind of a hyperbolic or cliche manner, but it when music kind of has saved you, you realize it does. It, it is does. a truthful statement. I, th- th- there's a song I wrote about that on the album. It segues nicely. Maybe you were uh, anticipating maybe, that. Yeah. Maybe. But I, it, th- there's a lyric at the end of the chorus that says, music makes me want to stay alive. And in, in the grimmest moments where I've contemplated what it would be like to not exist mm-hmm. the thing the many things I would miss and music was was right up there cuz with with all due respect to every other aspect of life I feel like they in a strange way all come underneath music not in terms of priority or importance cuz if I did have to choose between music and a loved one I would choose the loved one because actually the music's in, in it would be hard to even remove music from life even if i could never hear it again or play it again it, I, it's in my head you know it's inside me it's a strange thing that you can close your eyes and hear music without the audio yeah it's uh, it's a very mysterious thing but to me again it's the most undeniable proof of goodness that i've ever come across cuz that i can give to other people people that say they don't believe in anything people that don't believe in a higher power they don't believe and even true love but they do believe that music makes them feel good that that's powerful yeah so is is that where you come up with things like you know uh i found the answer you know i'm never going to get that way again or that yes in my best moments Mm -hmm. i would like to think that i have the answer even if the answer is sort of accepting that 
Maybe there isn't really an answer that I'll ever have that's definitive. Or maybe it is music. Or maybe that was another lyric which is kind of fantasizing about what it would be like to have the answer and to never lose one's way. I think it's perfectly acceptable to have songs that put you in a headspace that you might not occupy where the song is sort of a better version of you. Mm-hmm. And you, when you think about that song or when you sing that, that song, you can, for that moment, be in that feeling and, and have it inhabit you, even if it wasn't naturally coming from you or, or if it didn't emerge from you. Because as much as I guess these songs are personal, it's on such a subconscious level, I've never really been able most of the time to write about, okay, this is an experience I have and now I want to express it. And I always had trouble relating to that because I wanted to, I didn't want to sing about how I felt. I felt terrible. You know, why would I want to sing about that? I want to sing about how I want to feel. Mm -hmm. I want to sing about how I imagine the greatest person in the world feels. I want to create a, a place that I can go that is better than where I am right now. So I have full respect for different modes of uh, creative expression but I never personally related to um, what I would call almost sort of wallowing in the bad feeling I already have I'm 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 maxed out at that yeah I'm trying to get to a different feeling I'm trying to get cheered up so I wanted to make this you know like you said empowering music not a downer feeling and I think it's you know when you perform live I think everybody is there for the same reason like let's all take this you know 90 to you know however many minutes to all be in that other place for a while and Mm. just enjoy happiness and the joy of collective music and i don't know you know i I see some of these huge stadium shows and they're great and all but i'm like the the personal connection is lost there i feel for a live performance there's different yeah different different music is seems to be made for different reasons and what's amazing is that someone can make it for a certain reason you can still have your own uh, take on it or you can get to that place that they didn't even necessarily intend you to go it's still to be been frustrating that there's that disconnect I, I mean I've talked to some I won't name names some of my favorite musicians and had these brief moments where I got to ask them about some part of a song that to me took me to that place yeah um, oftentimes it was an instrumental interlude in, in a very brief moment and sometimes they didn't even know what part I was talking about and that was sort of shocking uh but also eye-opening to realize they didn't even know what I was feeling. They weren't going for that. They had no interest in it. What they were looking for was something completely unrelated to what I wanted to get out of music. And that's, I guess, the beauty of it is it's all open for interpretation. But there's something especially fulfilling and cosmically meaningful when someone else, a total stranger, connects to the exact feeling that you were trying to make and that you wanted to feel and that you wanted them to feel. And they do feel it. That's mm-hmm. that's as good as it gets. And for every million people that have no connection at all with something that I'm doing, when there is that one, it, it, it's it's huge. It, 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 I mean, people say it makes the whole thing worth it. It really does. I mean, it's actually, that's the icing on the cake because doing it for its own sake kind of was worth it enough for me since it does make me feel better but if someone else really is made to feel better and for that specific indescribable physical waves of pleasure that I'm trying to get out of that melody or the way that part kicks in or the way that this section shifts into that section when they can actually describe that and I realize there's nothing lost in translation they really got it I mean that's just that it's, it's the, as good as it gets nice nice 
So you said that, you know, you didn't listen to certain parts of this record after the fact, you know, spoken word pieces. Do you often go back and listen to your previous records or do you just kind of leave them in the past, you know? Well, I, I, to be very transparent, of course I have to listen at great length to, to everything. I, I, I guess I should say listening to the motivational speaking tracks were challenging sure. to listen to because every second of them I thought I should take this off the album, I should take this off the album. But then, you know what I, I try to do? I try to imagine that I'm not me or that I am me, but I didn't make this. And would I like it? And then, and then I say, well, yeah, I'd be blown away that someone actually had the nerve, the gall to put on this track of just this 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 speech. And it would mean a lot to me because this is exactly what I'm saying to myself. And, mm-hmm. But you can never fully detach yourself and get that completely objective uh, perspective. But even pretending or imagining what it would be like has been a little bit helpful. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a painstaking process, too, when you're listening back I'm afraid I'm going to hear a mistake. I'm afraid I'm going to hear a mistake that we have time to fix, which I've there's that's happened countless times on this. We have remixed, remixed, remastered, mm-hmm. gone back, redone. Even on the artwork, I've been I find a typo, then I find one that I didn't find the last time, and we just had to stop the whole printing process and reprint some of the sleeves for another typo that I didn't find. But you have to do the best that you possibly can, and there's a kind of. Uh, uh, anguish that comes from that because it's it's, it's an equally painful feeling to imagine just throwing up your hands and saying it's fine just put it out i don't care but also caring so much is just it hurts almost in the same way uh as far as the older albums yeah i very rarely go back and, and and listen to those but if enough time has passed i'll usually hear it with some amount of new perspective and and try to able to appreciate in some way. I don't usually have an opinion about it, but I do like playing the old songs live and that's where I usually am able to um, get a new kind of excitement about it. Mm-hmm. So the current music scene is very diverse, very wild. You know, what is, what's exciting to you in music these days? Well, personally, and again, I, I keep, I, I, I like to think that my taste in music doesn't have a lot of direct impact on what I make. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like I can't think of examples I've used in the past, but I don't know if you're someone who made furniture, you might be very interested in basketball, but you don't necessarily carve basketballs into your furniture. You could, Mm -hmm. but it might not be what you feel you were meant to do. And it might almost seem disrespectful to the furniture to force your own, for no better word, petty interests or tastes. And I feel like that's sort of how it goes. A lot of the music that I, I listen to the most is completely unrelated to what I'm doing. Although, and people have pointed this out to me, and I guess they're right, I do like a lot of intense music. Uh-huh. So I'd say things that are actively engaging or even confrontational in some way, not passive. Because And it doesn't mean it's always loud or, or, or overblown, sure. or I'd say full-blown. It could be very quiet, but just intense. Just someone really trying to get at the heart of the matter. And I guess the heart of the matter is being alive, Mm -hmm. trying to use music to, to access that space and amplify it. With that being said, there's, there's a lot of music that does that. I don't tend to name names, but you know, I don't, I don't see any shortage of, of music that I consider exciting. Yeah. Being, being made a lot of great music and, and confrontational music over the last year and a half has really 
found its way back in. Some yeah. Really, really cool stuff, experimental stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like rock and roll is... I love, I love when I hear people, we won't name names, but musicians who have been around a really long time who like to come in and say rock and roll is dead and music is dead. Yeah, they've been people have been saying that since since it began. Yeah. So that it's that almost seems to go hand in hand with it. There's something fatalistic about the undertaking. Maybe because it's so intense, mm-hmm. it's like it has to burn out. It it can't. You know, I feel like in some senses when people are saying things like that about any anything or, or that's creative, they're not talking about the the work itself or the feeling that the work generates. They're talking about all. The surrounding, and some would say, and not necessarily in a negative sense, the superficial trappings, the lifestyle, the the, the imagery, the the worldview, the presentation, but those things really have very little to do, in some ways, with the feeling that the the work can actually generate. And at their best, those things will amplify that feeling. So if there's a movement or a scene that comes out, sure, maybe that movement or scene has a time and then it, 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 it dilutes or it decays or it transmutes into some other scene. But the work that came out of that is, is perpetual and, and, and endless. And, and the feeling that that work does can never die. That's, it's almost like they resent it. I think sure, yeah. maybe people resent that these things can't die when they, in fact, personally, of course, will die. Right. So they, they, they're jealous yeah. that they can't live forever like rock music. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have kind of become this, this, you're an icon of sorts and it's, that's not to you, to, to to many, you know, you're, you, you wrote, you know, the, the stuff you write in the village voice and all this, you know, a lot of people see you as an inspiration, as motivational. Um, how does that kind of play into all of these other feelings we've been talking about here where these people are kind of almost coming to you saying, you know, help me get through all of this? Well, that. I don't feel consciously aware of that day in and day out. So every now and then I'm, I, I'm, someone would say something like that or turn to me and see me s- seemingly from that perspective. And it's, it's remained surprising. Mm-hmm. And then I remember what I've done that would lead them to think that. And I think, okay, well, I had a hand in. It's not like I didn't try to create these feelings. And of course, but I think of the feeling I'm thinking of this feeling and I'm looking for that feeling too. So I feel much more like I'm shoulder to shoulder with this person and we're both interested in the same feeling and both working together and encouraging each other and supporting each other in getting that feeling and making that feeling like it's a team effort. But if I'm the coach of the team or at times I'm the, 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 the the point guard or even the manager of the team or even some ethereal figure that that seems to reside above or below all those things and that helps the person uh access that feeling that's fine i i'm a representative of the feeling and however they want whatever space they want to put me in as a representative as long as it works for them to get that feeling that's 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 fine with me well cool i appreciate you making time um just so you know Mm. i think the spoken word bits worked perfectly on the record thank you very much the flow is there and um yeah, people need to get out, hear the record. It's it's absolutely fantastic. So uh, thank you for making time. Thank you for having me on the program. Absolutely. My thanks again to Andrew WK for making time to sit down and chat and be sure to get the You're Not Alone album when it drops on March 2nd. Now, before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your weekly Ear Fuel listening assignment. 
For those of you new to the podcast, each week I assign an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. It stems from the fact that these days, music has been largely relegated to a background task. You're at the gym, you're at work, you're driving, whatever. And this assignment is about taking some time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of the music alone. This week, since Andrew discussed his enjoyment of music with intensity, your listening assignment is one of the most important records in the history of punk rock, and one that is filled with tons of intensity. It is The Damned's impeccable 1977 debut, Damned, Damned, Damned. Before we even get to the music, let's get some facts in order, shall we? Now, when it comes to pretty much every punk rock first in the UK, it is The Damned who hold the title. First punk rock single? Yeah, 1976's New Rose, which is more than a year before the Sex Pistols. First full punk rock album in the UK? Yeah, that's this one, and it dropped a full eight months before the Pistols. So while some may want you to believe that the Pistols were the beginning and the best of UK punk, in reality, they were neither. Anyway, on to Damned Damned Damned, a true punk rock masterpiece. This record really has it all for me, as it's miles from the one-dimensional punk rock stereotype. There are deep grooves, slow-burning tension, and all the punch-your-teeth-in attitude that you can handle. For me, one of the big things that makes Damned 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 stand out from the rest is that it's one of the rare occasions where they manage to actually capture the live energy and power of a band in a studio setting. You can feel the spirit, you can feel that punch, you can just... Oh, you can feel it, and it's so great, and it's really hard not to love. These songs are also catchy as hell. There is no way around that. It's the sort of record that you're going to find yourself singing along to instantly. The riffs that Brian James brings are unforgettable, and there's not a crushing chord out of place, and each one has a very specific intent. When you combine that with one of the best rhythm sections in all of punk rock history, of course, Captain Sensible and drumming from Rat Scabies, I mean, the level of badassedness is unparalleled. Then you've got Dave Vanian on vocals, who ignores the annoyingly cliche sung snarling style, and instead he brings an attitude-filled force that you just, you really have to get into it. You're gonna love it. From the unrestrained speed of So Messed Up, to the insanely cool feel of Fan Club, to the anthemic Neat Neat Neat, there is not a second on this album that's anything less than stellar. Another big difference on Damned 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 is that it's perfectly produced. Seriously, it is. Just the right amount of grit and grime, but the sonic balance is there as well. One last thing to love about the Damned is how much fun they tend to have. I mean, the pie-faced cover is the ideal embodiment of the fact that they like to try and not take themselves too seriously. I mean, don't get me wrong. These songs are crafted with all the seriousness and intent in the world, but, I mean, they kind of leave all that rock and roll arrogance at the door, which makes it all the better. And yeah, this is one of the two or three instances in the entire history of music where it's okay to cover the Stooges. The bottom line is that Damned 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 is, well, it's damned perfect. It overflows with punk and rock awesomeness, and it's one of those records you can never play enough times, and it's also one of those records you can never play loudly enough. So if somehow you don't already spin this one on a weekly basis, you need to change that right now. Thank me later. So that's all for this week. My thanks once again to Andrew WK for stopping by. Check out the album, and he is all over social media under 
Well, I mean, he's under Andrew WK. What else do you expect, right? As always, the podcast is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores, along with at GetEarFuel.com, and you can find me on Twitter at at GetEarFuel and at The Daily Guru. That is your weekly Ear Fuel. Share and enjoy. Thank you.